Good morning, everybody. Uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jim, and if I've never met you before, I'd love to meet you this morning and welcome you to our church. Two things uh, before I get going. Number one, uh, the Andersons, a missionary couple with us this morning in Sunday school. Uh, where are you guys? There we go, in the back. And uh, they work uh, with some of the poorest of the poor in the Philippines. And if you uh, were there uh, with Sunday school, I know you were blessed. And, uh, but please talk to them about their ministry afterwards. It's a great ministry that they do, and we're lucky to have them two years in a row now. So great to have you guys here. Uh, the other thing, I want to thank everybody who helped with the Fall Festival yesterday. Uh, one of the greatest compliments about Fall Festival that I heard yesterday was some of our people saying, I didn't know those people. And that was great. So we had a full house. The bouncy house was amazing. Um, we might get it back just for after service one of these times. <laughs> uh, okay. I got a couple of you on that one. Uh, but exciting times. Uh, we had a lot of visitors uh, from the community. We had a great time uh, doing things like cakewalks and bouncing in an inflatable bounce house. So you can't go wrong with cupcakes and bouncy houses, among other things. So again, thank you. It, it seems so simple, and it seems thankless. It seems, you know, you're, you're doing a golf where the kid just puts the golf thing, but, but these are real things that touch real people out in the community. And again, we're building a reputation for loving families and especially loving kids and wanting them to hear about Jesus. So that means from time to time we will do things like painting pumpkins, bobbing for apples for Jesus. So thanks again, everyone, who helped with that. Turn to Acts 3. And yes, you did not, there's not a, print, a typo in your bullets, and we are going to do the entire chapter of Acts 3 this morning. For those of you who are skeptical, I join you in your skepticism. I give us one chance in three. So, um, but turn there. It's page 911. Uh, if you're using one of the Bibles in your chairs, because we're going to work with such a large section of Scripture, we're not going to have it on the board. But, uh, so I'd encourage you, even if you don't regularly use the Bible, uh, to use that this morning, because we're going to tell a story. And I want you to follow along with the story. But as you're turning there, I want to begin our thoughts with this. Christian people have always been called to be compassionate people. And part of that begins from a belief in creation. We believe that all people are created in the image of God and therefore every single person has innate worth. They don't have worth because of what they can do for me or what they can do for society, but every person, no matter who they are, no matter what they can do, no matter how rich or how poor, all people have worth as being created in the image of God. And because of that, we are called to be people of compassion. You cannot read your Bible and not see a command to be compassionate to fellow believers, to unbelievers, to even your enemies. Because all people have worth. 
what you also see in the Bible is that when we are obedient to being compassionate people, God also gives us the opportunity to share the greatest need that people have, and that is their need for Jesus. And so we as believers are called to create hospitals, to feed the poor, to help the community, to do acts of service for all people. And when we are faithful to that command, God also gives us the opportunity to share the gospel. And so we are called to both. We are called to both help the needy person and their physical needs. And when we are obedient and faithful in that, we are given the opportunity by God to share with their spiritual needs and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 3, that's why we have this story. It's an example of the disciples showing compassion and having an opportunity to share the gospel because we are called to both. So our big idea, if you're following along in your bulletin there in the outline we've provided, the big idea is this, that in faithfully showing compassion, we are able to faithfully share the gospel. So our text this morning begins with compassion as an opportunity to help. Let's read verses 1 to 10. Follow along as I read them. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So here's the story so far. Peter and John are going up to the temple. The early church still did uh, some of the worship at the temple when they were allowed to. And that's what they're doing. They're going up to the temple to pray. And on their way, they meet a man who had some great needs. He was lame from birth. He had never been able to walk. This was something that had been with him his whole life. It wasn't just an injury that needed healing and he needed to stay off his leg until it could better. No, he was lame from birth. 
And he also, because of that, probably needed money. So he has some very easily identifiable needs. He can't walk, and he doesn't have any money. And so Peter and John stop. And maybe that's the first lesson for us this morning. That when we see need, we actually stop what we're doing. We'll come back to that one. I have a funny story about that later. But, but Peter and John said, look, I don't have any money for you. I don't have any money to give you. And I think the assumption is if they did, they would. But they said, I don't have any money. And so what do they do? They take him by the hand and in the name of Jesus, heal his legs and stand him up. And this man who has never been able to walk before begins jumping up and down, praising God. Now I want you to think about the full miracle there. Number one, has not been able to walk before. But he's also been lame from birth, and if you know anything about muscles, if you don't use them your entire life, there's something called muscle atrophy. And so even if his bones were broken and needed to get fixed, he still would have no muscle mass by which to walk. And we see the full miracle in that instantly he's able to jump. He is completely restored. And he praises God. He understands who healed him. He might not fully understand, but he knows his healing is from God. And he praises God, and he enters the temple. Which, which from what we know about temple law, is if you were lame, you were not allowed to go into the temple. And so for the first time, he enters into the place where God is to be worshipped for the Jewish people. Full restoration. A wonderful picture. A wonderful picture of God healing him in a complete way to where even his communion with God is restored. And we see this act of compassion. And we see that his physical new life and his spiritual new life come together because we know that, that, that faith, the believing in the name of Jesus as the healing was done in Jesus' name is how healing happens. But again, in this part of the story, we see Peter and John fulfilling need. That when they saw a need, they filled it. And I want to pause briefly here to again say this is maybe the first part of the lesson for us today. Again, we've talked about time and time again how busy our culture is, how plugged in we are as a culture, how isolated we are from each other. But one thing we need to see from Peter and John this morning is to stop and help. To take the time to care for the needs of someone else. Two ways, 
just to begin your thinking on this of, of how can I help people? How can I stop and help people today? I think the first one for us as believers is prayer. I think if you offer anything to anybody, you can offer prayer. Because just like Peter and John, they didn't have any money to give him. And again, I think the assumption is that they would have if they did. But even if we're not carrying any money, we can offer prayer. But secondly, in in their healing, we also see that there is a fulfilling of physical needs. We as a church do that with our benevolent fund. We are able to help people with their needs. There are also so many ways that we can help people with meals, with, with mowing the lawn, with painting decks. All of these things are a part of caring for the physical needs. And sometimes we just need to stop and say, I'm going to do it. Because I'm going to show you later that busyness is one of the biggest killers of compassion. And we have to be careful. We have to prioritize. And sometimes, yes, we even have to stop so we can show compassion because that's what God is calling us to do. And normally, if someone's preaching through this, they stop there. And we even have little Sunday school songs about the guy walking and leaping and praising God, walking, you know, it's great. But um, it's a brilliant song. But that's not the full story. It's more than that because the story is longer and that's what we're going to see this morning. Let's look at verses, uh, start in verse 11. We're going to read through 16. Because again, a crowd is beginning to gather. They, they know this guy. They've seen him out in front of the temple for years. And here he is, he's, he's jumping around. And again, that's a miracle enough, but God says, I'm going to give you more. Look at verse 11. When he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us, as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So because of this miracle, because this guy that they knew could not walk, and all of a sudden they see him jumping around, probably talking loudly. Okay, he was a little excited. (laughs) Okay, sometimes we just read over walking and leaping. Okay, have you ever seen somebody walk and leap? They're not quiet people. 
Yeah, come to my house. You can babysit and you can see walking and leaping. All right. Um, hello. Okay. But notice what they have to do. They have to do some explanation. They have to say, look, we didn't do this. They couldn't take the credit. They wouldn't take the credit. And they say, Jesus did this. It was through Jesus that this man was healed. And one thing I want us to see here is that oftentimes God uses misunderstandings to give us an opportunity for explanation. Let me give you an example. In the early church, some unbelievers thought that the early Christians were marrying incestuously because they called each other brother and sister. Right? We don't think about that nowadays. You know, you have brother in Christ, sister in Christ. For those of us who grow up in church, that's really normal. But the outside community just thought they were marrying their brothers and their sisters. But what an opportunity to explain the idea of being brought together as the family of God because people misunderstood. And so we have opportunity, and Peter takes this opportunity again. He could have just kept on walking and going to prayer. But he stops and he explains. And when he explains how the healing was done, he gets to explain the story of Jesus. And he explains that Jesus was more than just a man. And, and I love this, this contrast. Look at verse uh, verses 14 and 15. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. He is showing them vividly what they did. He's saying, you remember that murderer you guys wanted free? Well, when you asked for the murderer, you killed the only one who gives life. All of this out of a misunderstanding. All of this explanation happens because people wondered what was going on and they had the opportunity to share the gospel. And it's his name that has made this man strong. Again, not trying to take the credit that belonged to Jesus and Jesus alone. And if he can heal you because he is the holy and righteous one, he can save you. Look at verses uh, 17 and 18. And now brothers, he says that because they're Jewish people around, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your, also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. So notice what he did there. People want to know how he got healed. They thought Peter healed him. Peter says, no, it was Jesus through me. You remember Jesus. He's the one that you guys had crucified. And not only did he heal this man, but it was God's plan for him to die. And so we see him begin to share the gospel message. Again, all out of a misunderstanding in a gathered crowd. 
And he begins with the idea of a prophesied plan. Look at verse 18. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets. Remember, these are Jewish people gathered around him. So when he's talking about the prophets there, he's talking about what we call the Old Testament. This was their Bible. He's saying to them, your Bible, God used that to foretell the death of Jesus. Because he foretold that his Christ, his Messiah, his Savior would suffer. And so he's taking their own Bible and saying, look, what you believe is the word of God said Jesus, the Savior, had to die. And it was part of God's plan. So what do you do to that? Look at the next part of the gospel presentation, verses 19 to 24. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. So again, follow the message. I didn't heal this guy Jesus did. God foretold the death of Jesus that you guys had. You guys wanted him dead instead of Barabbas. But what do you do now? Well, guess what? The prophets told you that too. And he quotes from Moses, one of the greatest prophets in the Jewish mind. I mean, not many people are better than Moses. And even Moses talked about Jesus. And Moses said, repent. Moses said, repent of your sins and turn back because when you do, your sins will be blotted out. Your sins will be obliterated. And you will find times of refreshing. that just as it was prophesied that Jesus would have to die, forgiveness through repentance was also prophesied. The idea there of sins being blotted out, that's a word used to talk about erasing or, or cleaning a piece of paper so that all the ink would be washed away. Be gone. And it's only through Jesus, but not just forgiveness of sin, but real life. These times of refreshing, this time of blessing and joy. You know, when Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, we offer that to people, but only through Jesus. And so we see the plan of God come through. We see the response to that plan of repentance and belief in Jesus. And in verse 24, 
He says, and all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. Every part of your Bible, he's saying to the people, every part of your Bible is pointing you to this truth, that Jesus died and that through repentance of sin and faith in him, you can be saved. And your Bible's been trying to tell you that for years. <laughs> and again, he's talking to a Jewish community at this time, but that is true for us today. Every part of our Bible points to Jesus points to our need for forgiveness and points to the fact that forgiveness can only come through faith in Jesus. And again, all of this comes from a misunderstanding. So not only do we have the prophesied plan and the prophesied repentance, but we also have the prophesied blessing. Look at verses 24 to 26. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. That the plan to send Jesus to die in the place of sinners and to offer forgiveness and eternal life didn't start even with the prophets. It didn't even start with Moses. It started with Abraham, the first Jew. He was the first one called of, of what we would have as the Jewish people, of God's chosen people. And Peter is telling them, your whole history has pointed you to this fact. That when God promised Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed, that that offspring of Abraham is Jesus Christ. And through him and him alone can come the blessings of God today and into eternity. So again, from a misunderstanding, from a misunderstanding of maybe they thought they were magicians, Maybe they thought they were miraculous healers. From an act of a compassion through a misunderstanding, Peter is able to explain the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we can't just stop the story at verse 10. The miracle is an amazing thing. The miracle is an act of love and mercy and grace by the God who created all things. But God uses that miracle to set the stage. He uses that act of compassion 
to gather a crowd of people who are ready to hear the gospel. To hear that Jesus is the only one who saves and that the whole Bible points to that truth that forgiveness and eternal life is available by faith in Jesus Christ. All because Peter and John stopped and talked to a man who had huge needs. And God blessed their faithful compassion with an opportunity to share Jesus. And we read, flip over the page to Acts 4, verse 4. Because the story even keeps going, but I thought, no, I can't do two chapters in one Sunday. But... (laughs) But look at verse 4 as a summary response of what happened after all of this. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So in Pentecost, we, see, we saw 3,000 come to faith, and here we read that the Lord added 2,000 more believers through, again, through faithful compassion which led to faithful explanation of the gospel. When we are obedient, God will use our obedience to bring people to salvation. And oftentimes, he uses acts of compassion to set the table for us. So, so what do you do with this story? Number one, if, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, I want you to hear this message that Peter says here that the plan was always to send Jesus to die for sinners. And that Jesus did die and that through repentance of sin and faith in Jesus, you can be saved and have your sins obliterated and you can have eternal life that begins today and lasts into eternity. And if you've never done that, today is the day, just like these people, they heard the word and believed. And in fact, in a few minutes here, we're going to have baptism which demonstrates that. And maybe you've wondered, let me, give, let me have some time to explain where there might be some confusion. What is baptism? Is it magic water? No. This is regular water. It's somewhat warm because we care. <laughs> We're not trying to scare the fear of God into you with cold water. Though don't tempt me. Okay, but... <laughs> But what is baptism? Let me explain it in case there is confusion out here. Baptism is an activity that we can see, that the person can definitely feel as they go under the water. You can't really smell it unless you're doing it outside at a lake or a river. But, you know, maybe we can do that. But it's an activity that we can observe that shows the gospel. I'm going to take these, these four gentlemen that we're going to baptize in a few minutes here. Guys, it's okay. You can still stay seated for a little bit. But 
I'm going to put them under the water, and that symbolizes them dying to their sins in repentance. And I'm going to raise them up like I'm raising them from the dead. I'm bringing them back to new life in Christ. This is not magical. This doesn't, if, if you come and you get in this tub and I dunk you, that doesn't make you a Christian. What it is, is it's a demonstration of a decision you've made. And all four of the people who are going to be baptized have made a decision to repent of their sins and believe in Jesus. And we signify that through the action of baptism. So if you've never done that, today's the day to repent, believe, and if you'd like, you can come talk to me and we'll we'll baptize you today too if you didn't plan on it. But for those of us who've already done that, what do I learn from this story? First thing, and I think this is one of the most important ones, is to pray for opportunities. And I think that is a prayer that God will answer. Pray for opportunities to serve others with compassion. And pray that as a part of those opportunities, you will have an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to trust God with how they respond to that. We, we don't take our help back if someone rejects Jesus. We'll just keep helping and keep telling. And we'll trust Jesus with their response but we need to be praying for opportunities. I, I know of, of, of multiple personal opportunities that are going on in our church right now of where this is happening, ways that we are showing compassion. We also do this, and this is why we do things like the fall festival and the community Thanksgiving dinner. These are acts of service and compassion to the community so that we can build relationships and share the great news of Jesus Christ because that's what we're called to do. And secondly, related, we need to faithfully take advantage of opportunities when they come. We need to be ready. We even need to be ready to stop so that we can take advantage of these opportunities. Let me share you a quick story about the biggest killer of acts of compassion. There was a psychological study done years ago um, at Princeton And what they did was they got uh, divinity students, people who are preparing for ministry, and they had them prepare talks. And half of them uh, even gave a talk, were preparing a talk on the Good Samaritan, on that story. And what happened was is they would come to one building ready with their talk, and again, half of them were uh, preparing a story on the Good Samaritan, And then they were told to go to another building where they would give that talk. Now the experiment happened and the difference between the test subjects was that they were told in varying degrees if they were late or on time. And so some were told, you've got plenty of time. If you leave now, you have five minutes when you get there. Some were told, you need to leave now so you can be there on time. And others were told, you're already late, get going. And as they were going between the two buildings, the people doing the test put 
a person who is obviously not doing well in the alley between the two buildings. The person would moan. Again, the idea was that there was probably something wrong with this person and they needed help. And they counted who stopped and who gave help and who didn't. Let me give you, let me give you some of the results because the biggest um, deciding factor in whether or not a person helped was how busy they felt. The only one of these variables that made a difference was how much of a hurry the subjects were in. 63% of subjects that were in no hurry stopped to help. 45% of those in a moderate hurry stopped, and 10% of those were in a great hurry stopped. It didn't matter whether or not they were speaking on the Good Samaritan or not. What mattered was how hurried they were. And for some of us, we need to look at our schedules. We need to prioritize what we're doing. And we need to prioritize acts of compassion. And then then thirdly, as a part of this, when we have opportunity, we boldly and appropriately share the gospel. That we take advantage of those opportunities as well. We take advantage not only to help the physical need, but we're called to help both needs and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ just as Peter did. Be ready to speak boldly and be ready to speak appropriately. Again, I've said this before, I want the only offensive thing about me, my goal is the only thing offensive about me is that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And I want that to be all of our goals as we share Jesus. Because that will be offensive. It just is. But by God's grace and through the empowerment of his spirit that we would make that thing the only offensive thing about us. So friends, we need to take advantage of these opportunities. We need to take advantage of showing compassion to the people in our communities and we need to boldly and appropriately share the gospel of Jesus Christ when we have opportunity. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this story. We thank you for the role models of Peter and John who stopped showed compassion and were able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would be faithful and obedient in both ways as we have opportunities, that we would be praying for opportunities, that we would be seeking out ways to show compassion and to share Jesus with those that we know and in our community. And God, that we would be faithful to both of what you have called us, to not only the physical needs but also to the spiritual needs of all people. God, that you would use us as obedient instruments, that people would know it's not us who has done this, but it is Jesus working through us. And God, that you would use our acts of compassion to bring people to faith, that they would experience the forgiveness of sins and the times of refreshing and the promise of eternal life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. At this time, I'm gonna call up the four uh, people who are going to get baptized this morning, and Pastor Dave, if you'd also join me up here on the stage too. Yep.
Dave's going to help me. <laughs> so what we're going to have each of the four do is they are briefly, come on up guys, uh, they are each going to briefly share their testimony of how they came to Christ. Uh, what we do as a church is when someone comes and tells us, uh, no Dave, you can come on up. Dave, come on all the way up. Yeah. <laughs> um, when someone tells us they would like to be baptized, we, we meet with them. One of the elders uh, meets with them and asks to hear their story of how they came to faith in Christ and what's that, what that means. Again, we ask them to define the gospel. If you've been a part of our membership uh, interviews, it's very similar. Uh, we want to hear uh, what you believe and as best you can tell when you believed it. And so I've asked them, They've all written uh, a brief paragraph. I told them, don't worry, I'll do the sermon. You share your story. <laughs> it's okay, because some people don't like this. Some people don't like being in front of a group. So, uh, but we've met with them, and they're going to share that. Uh, they'll share the four in a row, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll baptize the four of them. So I'm going to have Eric, do you want to start? Sure. All right. This is Eric, and Eric's going to start this morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, so, let's see, I've, I've been a believer off and on my um, whole life, generally. Um, and, uh, let's see, last January, <clears throat> my father-in-law passed away. And uh, it really, um, I, I felt, kind of felt Jesus tugging at my heart ever since. And, uh, and one day I was, uh, so I take the, I take the, the bus, island transit bus, I uh, went and I walked down to the bus stop. It's kind of my, my morning thing, um, about a mile. But anyway, I, I walked down there and I was, I just um, really felt the Holy Spirit uh, saying to me one morning, you know, now's the time. And uh, just to get serious about Christ and, and uh, just um, uh, just for good, you know, for, um, for, for keeps. So, so that's what I'm doing today. And uh, in front of all you. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Say your name. Say my name. Okay, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Matt Salazar. <clears throat> um, and actually, my name was uh, on the, the worship service today that I neglected to look at <clears throat> for the offering prayer Jim gives me the look of are you going to do it <clears throat> I'm like during the headlights okay so he told me I wasn't going to have to preach today but I know, yeah anyway uh, I've got mine written down here so it's uh, a little easier for me uh, since I love being up in front of everybody <clears throat> uh, I grew up in a, in a Christian home where my mom was active in uh, the Episcopal Church my earliest memories was a trip uh, that we took down to Baja, California, to an orphanage to hand out Christmas stockings to uh, the orphans down there. And uh, during the trip, um, it was just, it was amazing to see all the kids, and especially one in particular. He was going around, taking his stocking, saying, hey, I'm Santa Claus, and giving out things that he had just received uh, to others that, uh, you know, sharing with everyone. Um, later, at about age... 12, 13, I attended confirmation class in the Methodist church, uh, and uh, upon completion of the class was sprinkled as my baptism. Um, 
At that time, I knew God was real, but I just didn't, I didn't feel that he was real enough for real enough, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, during a dark time in my life, I was visiting some friends at a church uh, in the service that night, and I had, they had um, an altar call. Uh, I sat in the back, and the preacher, who I had known, came up to me and said, Hey, you need to be up there. God told me that you need to be there. So um, I stood up uh, reluctantly, went forward, and uh, was, you know, praying and listening, and he was telling me everything that I was going through. And with God was speaking to his heart, telling him what, I, what he needed to tell to me so that I would, you know, come and accept God uh, more fully. At that po- point in my life, I knew that God was, was real and Jesus was, was looking over me. Um, I felt really exposed at that time. And, you know, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Um, And yes, I'm not a perfect Christian. I've made many mistakes, and I'll probably make many more. But I know through God, or that God loves me, and through Jesus, I'm truly saved. And this is my outward expression to God for the love that he has shown me. phone here. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am Matthew Salazar as well, only I'm the junior. <laughs> um, awkward. But uh, yeah, so my testimony is simply, you know, if you were to ask me when I came to know Jesus Christ, personally, I had a tough time trying to figure out when that occurred because uh, in my family, I grew up in a very Christian home. Uh, for the most part of it, it was Methodist now. Obviously, I'm here. And, um, you know, I've been thinking, when did it really hit me? I've always known that God is real, and I've always seen Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and that he died for all of us. Um, I guess it really didn't hit me until middle school when uh, I was starting to get into uh, politics and just more information about my faith. And then suddenly it all made sense who Jesus was, why he died for us. And from there, uh, I feel I have grown as a Christian. And that's pretty much my journey into... uh, Christianity and to accepting Jesus Christ. Um, And to anyone out there who hasn't been baptized yet, you know, I hope soon that you're up in the spot where I'm standing right now. Maybe a little to the right, but... um, (laughs) But uh, that's pretty much my testimony. For those of you who don't know me, I am Joel Hagen, and I was raised in a fantastic Christian home, so I've known God from a very early age, like one or two. (laughs) And mom, thanks for teaching me about God and also dragging me out of bed every Sunday morning, forcing me to go to this church. (laughs) 
and all my Sunday school teachers and pastors. And <laughs> so when I was five, my sister Alicia explained to me how to commit my life to Jesus, and my brother Daniel encouraged me, like, really encouraged me. <laughs> so I went up to my room and prayed for the first time, and that was how I came to know and trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And because of that, God opened my eyes to the new forms of creativity, like music and writing. So I guess I know what I'm going to be doing in the future. And the uh, the verse that really struck me as beautiful and helped me follow God comes from Psalm 118, verse 8. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. And, yeah, that's, that's it. All right, so uh, one at a time, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna submerse each of the guys and hopefully bring them back up. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I, I'll say something, and, and in case you're not able to hear it, because I turned my microphone off because I don't want to get electrocuted. Um, but um, all I'm going to say is this. I'm going to say the person's name, and I'm going to say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to bring them back up. <laughs> 